holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Mesut Ozil envío al área, al remate ahí está el primer tanto del partido no lo celebra por supuesto Aaron Ramsey, 0 a 1 para el Arsenal This is Arscast Extra Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunnerblog Good morning to you Good morning. Uh, the Arscast Extra brought to you this week by our friends at deskbeers.com, where they will deliver beer to your desk or anywhere you like, and you drink the beer. Check out deskbeers.com and listen later on for a code which gets you 10% off your first order. Um, yes, so, so, let's, so, let's do it. Look, the elephant in the room. We've got to do this straight away from the off. Why did you go to the game dressed as a bag lady? <laughs> I see. You've obviously seen the image that has circulated online. Yes, it's everywhere. Uh, it's it's uh, viral. It was trending of me in a less than trendy attire, really. Yes. Um, I suppose it would be described best described as a tracksuit, although a bag is not a bad comparison. Um, although I, I did look destitute, it's fair to say. You, you, it was not your shining sartorial moment. No. I have a vague excuse, which is that, as you know, and, and some of the listeners may know, I'm often working during the games, which compels me to dress vaguely formally. Mm-hmm. And on this occasion, I was not. It was kind of a day off for me. So I think I took that freedom a little too far and basically arrived at the Emirates Stadium as if I lived perhaps sleeping just outside it. Under a bridge somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. And I did not necessarily expect that to be picked up on by anyone. <laughs> uh, so when someone sent me a photograph of me sat at a laptop just outside the Arsenal uh, club shop, looking like I'd been trying to build a den there, yeah, um, I was alarmed. And it was, a, it was something that's it's a wake-up call for me, definitely. Yes, I would suggest even a, a vaguely passable pair of pants next time. Sure. <laughs> Would do the trick. I mean, I could claim that, you know, I'd been in the gym or something, you know, working out, but I don't think anyone would buy that. No. So, I mean, I've just got to hold my hands up, really. Fair and, enough. You know, well, the the what can you say? You've, you've, you've fronted up to it. You're not making any excuses. You just accepted that this was, a, this was a, an error of judgment, a grave error of judgment, uh, and, and you'll do better next time. A sartorial disaster. Yeah. But I must say that um, I was walking along, and he didn't see me, but I saw Andrew Allen of Arsblog fame, your co-author and, and mm -hmm. Arsblog news guy. And as you know, because you know Andrew, he's always impeccably dressed. Um, and I'm quite glad he didn't see me. I think he would have been appalled by the sight, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, he does. He's, he's got an elegance about him, Andrew. And uh, yeah, I, I can imagine it would, it would have been chalk and cheese, really. 
Absolutely. Right. Well, look, look, well, all you can do is move on and, and hope for better next time. Look, thanks for still letting me do the podcast and stuff. It's that, big of you. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I had a big decision to make over the weekend, but I, I you know, it, it, it seemed harsh for a first offence. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, I have been warned. You have. Right. Well, look, let's uh, let's touch on the game itself, shall we? Three nil win against West Ham. A little bit late in sealing the game, but I think overall, uh, one that we we thoroughly deserve to win, and and with some better finishing, um, game could have been out of sight by half time. Yeah, their keeper made quite a few saves. He always does, doesn't he? He seems to always play very well against us. Yeah, I think he's been quite fine for them, to be honest. Mm. You know, he sort of came from 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 nowhere, really, and he's uh, supplanted Jaskalainen. Well, he must have come from somewhere. No, no, I just think he turned up one day with an, a knapsack, and they said, who are you? And he said, I am Adrian. And they said, have you got another name? And he was like, no. No. And they just put him in the team, and that was the end. Um but uh, so it's a touching story. It is, yeah. He's, he's, and one day he'll just pick up his his stuff and walk away into the sunset. He will. Just, he'll have like um, you know what do they call it? Um, a bindle. You know, yeah. you got the stick and the little handkerchief and your possessions exactly. tied up, and he'll just drift off into the sunset, and no one will ever hear from him again. Yeah, that's it. But um, he no, he always seems to play well. You're right. He's very acrobatic. He's probably a little bit too acrobatic. He's one of those. But I think. Uh, he he played well. We we were decent. I mean, they um they were missing three of their first choice back four, and I think they really struggled to deal with Giroud, especially without their, their mm. centre backs. You know, I thought he was excellent and gave us such an important focal point. Was involved in pretty much everything, wasn't he? From that first Theo Walcott chance on. Yeah, yeah, he was excellent. I have to say, and uh, if that's the response that you get from resting him against Manchester United, obviously there was some psychology. Uh, in, in picking Welbeck against his old club uh, for the FA Cup game. But equally, it was a reminder to, to Giroud that there is another option there at centre-forward that the manager's quite prepared to use. So I think the response, not just to the uh, to the off day that he had against Monaco, um, w- was really brilliant. I mean, do you think, when you look at the season that he's having, that he gets some the credit he deserves. I know he had a terrible day against Monaco and that was hugely frustrating for everybody, but there does seem to still be people who aren't convinced by him as a centre forward. Uh, and yeah. while he's never going to be world, world class, I think he's a really excellent player who has developed over over the seasons with us and, you know, is getting better. I do think that things were blown out of proportion somewhat after the Monaco game because I think that's... That's an anomaly this season. You know, he's mm. been excellent. He's been very consistent too. And I saw a journalist off the back of that writing about, he wrote a list of Premier League strikers who are better than Giroud. And he, he included some bizarre names in there. I mean, like Benteke, who's done nothing this season, you know. Mm. And and I think if you look at the trajectory of those two players, Giroud's older, but he's still improving. And that's really promising. And I think he's been... He's, I mean, he's one of the most important players in the team because we haven't got anybody else who can do exactly what it is he does. Yeah. And uh, I do think he doesn't get enough credit. I think he's been excellent. His goal-scoring ratio compares well with the likes of Diego Costa. But it's, he offers so much more than that. You know, some of those flicks around the corner are absolutely exquisite, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, the one that set up Walcott, I think there was a little deflection also off a defender. But, you know, just to to have that option in around the box, and we've seen it countless times where his flicks have uh, created goal-scoring chances. And I think he deserved the he deserved the goal. A lovely move, cracking finish. 
Uh, and just before halftime, really very well-timed goal because uh, it looked as if West Ham were, were going to frustrate us for a bit. Yeah, Arsenal were growing a bit frustrated. They'd had a few chances. Most of them uh, fell to Theo Walcott and couldn't quite convert them. And I think... Yeah, had they got to half-time at nil-nil, it might have made it a little bit stickier. But it's a great time to score, isn't it? As, as, as commentators mm. always say, puts the team on the back foot. And brilliant finish, actually. Um, I lo- basically, I love the goals that sort of go in off the woodwork. I, I really enjoy Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Good crack. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. just smacking. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, second goals then for... Who scored the second goal? Oh, Ramsey, Aaron Ramsey. Aaron he was Ramsey. very good as well, I have to say, that there was... There was um, a, a discipline to his performance, uh, and he seemed to, to slot in very well beside Coquelin, um playing a little bit ahead of him. But I think, to be honest, that that is the that is the kind of balance that we need in midfield. I've spoken about this a couple of times before that maybe we lack the traditional central midfield balance when we don't have a Ramsey or we don't have a Wilshire in there alongside Coquelin. And I think there's good signs there. I know there's only one performance, but if Ramsey can keep that up, then then I think we'll be stronger in the centre of the park. Yeah, he looked great. I mean, you know, with Ramsey and Giroud both playing well and feeding off each other, it was a little reminiscent of our form last season, you know, one of those performances. Mm. And, uh, Ramsey took his goal really nicely. Was it his left foot in the end? Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a good finish and obviously more great link-up play from Giroud. I think we benefited from making a few changes because obviously Ramsey came in, Walcott came in, Callum Chambers came in at right back to mm. Aspina, I mean, if, if that counts. So I think there was a, a bit of freshness in the side that really helped us out after a, a draining cup tie on Monday night. What did you make of Mesut Ozil's pass? when he had the goal at his mercy and I was looking for him to shoot. Um, it just a remarkable decision to make, but perhaps something you have to... Well, it was kind of frustrating at the time because you're going, just hit it. Like, you know, you can really hit a ball. Um, a sign that he is capable of seeing things that nobody else can really see because it just seemed bizarre almost. It did. I mean, I would say in that situation, he should have shot. Yes. Like... You know, it's, it's all very well being able to see that the right back's free 60 yards back, but it doesn't mean you should turn around and boot the ball over to him. <laughs> um, but I think uh, it's curious, isn't it? There is a bit of, I mean, I, I use this term carefully, but there's a, there's a chlebishness about him in front of goal. He doesn't, he, you know, at times he doesn't want to take the shot on, does he? That's, that's how it feels at any rate. Mm. Why would that be? Because it, it can't be technical. The guy is clearly capable of putting the ball pretty much wherever he wants, you know, on a, on a sixpence. Yeah. So it, it's not that. Um, I can't imagine he's lacking confidence either, considering how well he's playing. You know, it's a really odd one, that. Yeah. I, I think maybe he likes to create, you know, that maybe yeah. if he's in a position to shoot, if he can see somebody who's in a better position, he'll he'll often choose that rather than, than shoot himself, even if getting the ball to them is difficult. It's all about, yeah... Extending the foreplay. He's, he's a tantric footballer. <laughs> uh, there's an image. Uh, Matthew Flamini yeah. with, a, with a goal as well, with his first touch. Yes, I know. What a finish. I mean, that was a lovely goal as well, actually, mm. I have to say. Um, I thought that when Welbeck and Gazola came on, they both really injected some life into proceedings. Mm. Alexis Sanchez went off and he actually didn't have a, a great game for my money. I think he looked a little bit tired from the off. Um, and not quite right. 
And I, I thought both subs made a really positive contribution and lovely flip from Giroud, perfect cross from Cazorla and uh, even Matthew Flamini couldn't miss. Yeah. Wham, bam, thank you, Flam, as they yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right then, so Theo Walcott was recalled to the to the starting lineup, and there have been a load of questions that have come in about Theo uh, on the basis of, of that performance. Right. Um, I, I'm not sure we should... Do, I think there's just too many questions to try and pick them out, so let's try and go over um, his performance. It was a chance for him... To my mind, it was a chance for him at home against opposition that he should be um, capable of doing things against. It was a chance for him to remind Arsene Wenger of his qualities and to give him a problem about whether or not he should pick him. Um, I don't think he did that. On the one hand, he got into good goal-scoring positions. On the other, he made an absolute bollocks of all of them. Well, that's the thing. I mean, in the first half, I thought, Sort of like a slightly paradoxical performance because in some respects he looked our most dangerous player because he was the guy getting in behind, getting into great positions. However, when he got there, he did not take advantage of them. But curiously, I think that's kind of... That's not what I expect from Walcott in some ways. Like, I think normally he's relatively efficient when he gets in. It's his lack of contribution around that that's the issue. Yeah. Um so I thought it was slightly surprising in that respect. You know, I would normally expect him to take at least one of those chances. And I'm not sure rustiness is that valid, really. Because no, I, I don't buy the, the rustiness excuse because he came back from his injury and scored. Now, in fairness, he did have a couple of games where he missed chances, if I remember. There was yeah, one in the, in the FA Cup against uh, Brighton that was a terrible miss. But, you know, he did start scoring, and I don't think you can put those missed chances down to, to rustiness. I don't think there was enough conviction uh, in his in his finishing. Um, you know, you think of the goal that he scored against, was it Leicester, where he hit one on a rebound? Yeah, I mean, that was a great finish. Yeah. Brilliant. You know, um, but it was a very similar situation when the, the Ozil shot rebounded to him and he, he skewed it wide. So I, I, don't get, I don't get behind the rustiness thing. I just think he had a really bad day in front of goal. And I think the consequences of that will be that he's not going to play, he's not going to start tomorrow for sure, and the manager is going to keep him on the bench for um, for the foreseeable future, unless he absolutely needs him. I mean, I did think it was interesting, and, and I, from my seat in Block 6, couldn't quite unpick why it was happening, but in the first half especially, West Ham had a few counter-attacks, and they seemed to be coming down that side, you know, down Callum Chambers' flank now. Mm. I don't know if that's because he wasn't getting enough protection or because Matt Jarvis is just much quicker than Callum Chambers. Um, but that was telling, I thought, and, you know, a little bit concerning and won't have, you know, settled any of Arsene Wenger's worries about deploying Walcott on a regular basis. For me, the the, the real problems were in the second half when he just completely disappeared from the game. Yeah. You know, in the first, you know, at least I thought he was making penetrative runs and if he wasn't producing the end product, he was at least getting in the right place at the right time. But in the second half, I mean, I think I saw you tweet, he barely touched the ball, did he? I think it was two or three touches before he came off the Well, ball. yeah, I mean, there was um, somebody pointed out, I have it here, so I should give them a little shout out, uh, Tom Haycock, at Tom Haycock, um, who points out that Theo had fewer passes in 70 minutes than Danny Welbeck in 20. You know, and yeah. I think that's the key issue with Walcott, is that he is far too peripheral um, during games, that he just doesn't get involved. 
Mm. Was that mm. a knock at the door? It was, yeah, one second. Wasn't even for me. Annoying. Not even a delivery of pants. No, sadly not. Just uh, some parcel for someone else. Right, Fu- okay. I'm furious. Well, look, getting back to Theo Walcott then, and what my point about him being peripheral in games and yep. fading from games, he just doesn't get involved enough. You know, there was a game earlier in the season where I think he only had six passes, only made six passes in the entire game. And, you know, what what frustrates me is the fact that that happens and continues to happen and probably will happen always with Theo Walker, that he, he can... He has this ability to surround himself with opposition players. Um, so it becomes impossible for him to get the ball. Like, you're not going to give him the ball when he's surrounded by three or four players because technically he doesn't really, um, he doesn't have it to be able to to get out of those situations. Mm. Um, and I think he kind of knows that as well. That it's, I don't know, he's, he's, he's a very frustrating player for me. That when the, when the chances are missed, as they were on Saturday... Then he begin not that he's a liability, but you, it's harder work because you're essentially playing with ten men. So to play devil's advocate, sure, or Theo's friend, let's call it. Um, is there an argument that his pace and movement allows us to create chances we might not otherwise create? Absolutely, yeah, of course. But then what you have to do is you have to balance that with players who can make up for the shortcomings in his game mm-hmm. you know and I think maybe that's where the issue is for Arsene Wenger that we now have players who can do things that Walcott was only able to do with, with his pace like Alexis is very quick for example but works harder and has more uh, contribution in, in the game itself I don't know I mean he is essentially a very quick finisher that's, yeah. that's his skill set so it's whether or not you can continue to to um, to carry that in a way. That do you are the benefits of what he brings you enough to to keep to keep faith with him? I don't know. I have a feeling that it's probably going to end soon with Theo. I think this summer could be could be an interesting time. I, I think uh, the arrival of Danny Welbeck as well as Alexis has sort of cast Theo into a slightly different light. Arsenal was talking in the week about Welbeck and he spoke very highly of him um, in terms of his all-round game and also in terms of his his hunger and his willingness to learn and mm. develop. And I do wonder if there's a point at which Theo's development as a kind of all-round footballer has stalled slightly and that might frustrate the manager. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, he's, uh, it's actually his birthday today. How old is he? 26. God, we're all so old and going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so look, when would it be fair to say that when Theo Walcott's pace diminishes, a lot of his effectiveness as a footballer is also diminished because that is his primary his primary weapon. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So with a year left on his contract this summer, 
and with more players in the squad who can score goals with pace in the in the team is this summer a good time for Arsenal to consider moving Theo on getting some money for him finding another option perhaps in the in the transfer market using Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain there on a more regular basis I mean it's part of the cycle isn't it that players come and go and you need to make room from time to time for somebody else to develop yeah I definitely think there'd be a lot of buyers for Theo this summer you know because of the homegrown rule I think the likes of City and Chelsea they always need British players to bulk out that element of their squad and I think despite his contract being down um, that British premium would mean you'd still get a fairly hefty chunk of money for him I should Mm. imagine I I mean I wouldn't guess how much but I think it'd be a significant sum and um, yeah I don't know I don't know I mean there, there is an argument that why weaken yourself by letting him go you know, like he he might not be a first team starter anymore, but why why let him join a rival? I suppose would be the argument. Do you think that there's that that Theo himself is kind of aware that there are more impediments to him getting first team football now at Arsenal than there ever were, and that that could be having a bearing on the contract negotiations, which Arsene Wenger um, described as difficult during the week, that maybe it might not be necessarily Arsenal's decision. So Walcott, right, he's, he sees that he's got a year left on his contract. He knows that Arsenal have to make a decision, but he also knows that if he goes somewhere for big money, chances are that he's going he's gonna to play. That if he goes to Liverpool, for example, that, the, you know, that they're going to play him more regularly than he might get uh, at Arsenal. Yeah, that could definitely be a factor. I think... You know, he's always difficult to negotiate with. And what Arsene said about him, about having to go to the embassy, you know, and uh, we'll see how the negotiations go. It's quite caustic, really. I mean, it's, it's clear that it's a really difficult process for everyone involved. Yeah, he said it's, um, we'll see how things pro- progress politically, which yeah. is interesting. That is a very interesting thing to say about a player who's, you know, still under contract. But I am... Um, I also think it's really interesting, you know, when he wanted Tuba Akpom to sign a new deal, he actively involved him more in first-team action in order to help convince him to do that. Mm. Whereas with Walcott, he seems to have faded from the first-team picture as those negotiations have got closer. Yeah. Which I think tells you quite a lot about how the manager feels, and that's why I've got this inkling that that Walcott might well be off. Mm. All right, well, look, um, I guess we could go around the houses with this one for, for ages, but... Um, I think, one thing I would say is, when do you think we'll know? As in, do you think they'll let it get... Like, last last time it got to January, didn't it, and he still hadn't signed a new deal. Do you think we would run that risk this time? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that if it gets to the summer and he hasn't signed a new deal and it becomes apparent that it's going to be difficult or a challenge to get him to sign a new deal, I think they'll make the decision then. They can't afford to let him go anywhere on a free. So they'll mm-hmm. take whatever money they can get for him in the summer. Um, and I think that would probably be the right thing to do. If he's not going to sign a new deal, then it's we're going to do what we did with Van Persie and Nasri. We're going to sell him. That would be my thinking. I agree, and I think that would be the right thing to do. All right. Okay. We're going to put this abomination of a first half of the show behind <laughs> us. Uh, you won't have heard all the abomination bits uh, because I've since edited them out, but this has been a real challenge. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to take a short break and do the bit with your questions right after this.
Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. Time now for us to look at your questions. But before we do that, just to remind you that the Arscast Extra is brought to you this week in association with Desk Beers. That's deskbeers.com. They have a selection of beer. You order the beer, they will deliver the beer to you anywhere in the mainland UK region, area, place. Yeah, that. Um, and you can get 10% off your very first order by using the code ARSCAST10 at checkout. So use ARSCAST10 at checkout and go visit deskbeers.com. So, now, questions and stuff. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Or You uh, go first. Why not? I'll go first. All right. Here's one from Krishan Yadav at Game Yadav. Mm-hmm. And he wants to know. I don't know if you saw this, the, the Real Madrid, when uh, Gareth Bale scored and Ronaldo had a reaction. I did see that, yeah. Which was, which was quite bizarre. He seemed genuinely bereft that Bale had scored. Furious. Like he, furious. Yeah, he, well, he was not happy. And he wants to know, has an Arsenal goal ever left you upset in a Ronaldo-esque fashion? Oh, wow. That is a good question. Um, I'm just trying to think. I don't think so. I mean, generally, you know, Ronaldo is the exception rather than the rule, isn't he? Generally, people are are happy to see their own team score. Um, You need to be quite... I I guess maybe if you had a bet riding on a game... Yeah. ...and the goal went against that bet, that would be... That would be quite frustrating. I... um, but I can't think of an instance of that in a game. I once, on the transfer deadline day, when we were trying to buy Mikel Arteta, I once bet that we wouldn't buy him because I was so keen for us to get him <laughs> that I was like, well, this way, you know, it'll even out. Even if we don't get him, I'll win some money. Yeah. Uh, as it was, we got him and I was delighted to lose that cash. But in terms of a, a goal, I don't think so. I mean, every time William Gallas scored for Arsenal, it made me a little bit uncomfortable. That's a, yeah, yeah. You know, even though he was, you know, Captain Fantastic and all that, it never felt quite right. Cappy. Cappy, yeah. Oh, Cappy, my Cappy. Yeah. Oh, Cappy. Um, yeah, that that's true. And same with uh, Sylvester. Um, yeah. That, that was just, yeah, there was something a bit wrong about that. But, uh, yeah, I know I have to agree. I don't think I, I've ever been hugely upset by, by any Arsenal goal. I mean, I don't think there's been... I mean, the only other circumstance I could think of is perhaps a goal by us that might benefit another side like Tottenham or Chelsea or something like that. But I can't remember any circumstances. And I only really asked the question just so we could have a little crack at Ronaldo for being a a wanker. Yeah, I mean, that is incredible. I saw the footage last night and I couldn't believe it. I mean, he's not even hiding it anymore. But but what do you mean you couldn't believe it? It was the the most Ronaldo thing I've ever seen. Well, it was, but it was just the sort of open contempt for his teammates that surprised me. (laughs) Hey y'all, it's Matt Marr here, a.k.a. Maddie, And Poodle, a.k.a. Jake Anthony. And we host the podcast 90 Day Gaze. Poodle, I'm excited because Christmas is here. Aren't you excited? Bah humbug. What's so great about Christmas? I'm just going to get another boring, straight-looking sweater from my Aunt Jane. Well, Poodle Scrooge, you tell your Aunt Jane to get you Best Christmas Ever on AMC+. Plus. You will love it. Oh, wow. They got all my favorites. Elf, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Year Without a Santa Claus. And y'all, AMC Plus is available on all your devices. So celebrate the best Christmas ever anytime, anywhere. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. 
Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. You know, I sort of thought, you know, we always have known he's conceited, but I didn't think he'd just given up on attempting to mask it. Yeah, maybe he was upset about something else. Maybe. He could have just thought about how, you know, his kitchen worktop was He just really remembered dirty. at that point. Yeah. That, just, he had, that he'd left the washing in the washing machine or yeah, something. Yeah, for ages. Yeah, for got ages. Got that weird sort of mouldy smell probably. Yeah, yeah, he left a wet towel in his kit bag and it's like, oh, not that smell. That could maybe, have been it. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe as Gareth Bale scored, he was reminded of like a, a traumatic childhood incident with a chimpanzee. And, well, those you know, are those are <laughs> those are difficult to get over. Exactly, exactly. And obviously, the the appearance of Bale will have triggered that <laughs> um, that memory in him. And so it was sort of you know it was actually quite an angsty moment. Yeah, him. I think yeah we're we're too quick to judge here. We need to be a bit sympathetic. Yes, absolutely. So sorry, Ronaldo. You're still a wanker though. But yeah, you are. You are. If only that chimp has killed you. So <laughs> now uh, let's have another question, and this is from Misha Watson. Right. And they ask, again, you may have seen this incident, you may not. Which Arsenal player do you think would do best in a kitchen boxing fight against Phil Bardsley? Uh, I have indeed seen that that video and it was very, very funny. Yeah. And part of me, despite the fact I thoroughly enjoyed seeing Wayne Rooney get knocked out, there was a part of me that kind of went, oh, like, how close did he come to smashing his head off the back of the table? Or, really or, close. Or, really you know, close. off a corner of a chair? Wasn't it in that uh, hilarious comedy movie, Million Dollar Baby? Yeah. That laugh-a-minute romp where um, Hilary Swank is the female boxer. Well, obviously she's... Well, no, not obviously she's a female because she played a boy in some other film, I remember. But anyway... She can't be trusted. No, you just don't know what's going on there. But um, she fell and broke her neck on the, the stool, right? when she was mm-hmm. boxing. So Wayne Rooney could easily have done himself, not done himself, or been done a, an awful lot of damage. Nevertheless, he seemed sufficiently recovered to to uh, reference the incident in his uh, goal-scoring celebration against Tottenham. Um, but A, it was amusing to see Ronaldo go down, or Rooney go down, um, when he'd actually had some contact made with him, yeah. like that 14 game. Rare, yeah. Um, so which Arsenal player, hmm, is this to box with Rooney or against him or just this is kitchen to boxing? Box against and- Bardsley. So Bardsley's like the undisputed champion of kitchen boxing in Premier League terms. Right. And we've got to put forward a challenger live on pay-per-view from Arsenal to Bardsley's crown. Mm. Who would I pick? Alexis. Yeah, that would be me too. Yeah, yeah for sure. He's got the physique, he's got the movement. Um, I, I'd say he could unleash a flurry of punches at Bardsley that would leave Bardsley the one who was unconscious on the ground, possibly using Rooney as some kind of cushion uh, to to break his fall. So yeah, Lovely. Alexis, who wouldn't you pick? I mean, Santi maybe. Yeah, but I'd say Santi is fairly robust. You know, low center of gravity, ducking and diving, weaving. 
Uh, I mean, look, Theo as well. Mm. I would, I would say also that perhaps Callum Chambers would, really wouldn't be a great boxer. He's just too pretty. Yeah, like he maybe. would do anything to avoid being hit in the. Maybe that would be his strength. He seems very polite as well. Yeah, like uh, smack. Sorry. Yeah, every that's time true, he hits you, he'd be apologising. Uh, I think I think I'd worry about Theo in a one on one. But yeah, Alexis, I think would have it sewn up. Yeah, take take on all comers. All right, this is a question from Charlie Day at Big Underscore Shout, and he says Chelsea have the worst run in of all top five teams. Is a title tilt completely out of the question? <laughs> um, well, if if my laugh doesn't answer, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's not completely out of the question. Because of you know science and maths and probably and you know probability stuff. stuff yeah I have to say I, I do consider it very unlikely um, I just think Chelsea and Mourinho once they're in this position they tend to, they tend not always but they tend to know how to get the job done and how to to stumble over the line mm. they're, they're definitely in a bad way you know in their last half a dozen games or so they've they've not looked great. And there are some interesting numbers about how frequently, I think there were four players or five players who played every game until January the 1st for them, you know. So it's probably inevitable there'll be a bit of fatigue creeping in. Mm. But I think with the two games in hand, one of which is against Leicester, I think they'll be all right. I think. Well, they only fine. have one game in hand now. I have one now, sorry. Yeah, they yeah. played yesterday and yeah. they drew. They dropped yeah. points. Yeah. So we are going to win the league. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't... I, I'll be honest, I don't think it's feasible. I just think it's too much to overcome at this stage. But I do think that we can finish second, and that would actually be fairly remarkable given how poorly we began the campaign. What mm. do you think? Um, I think that it's it's way too early to even think about that. Like, let's see what happens in a couple of games' time, but, you know, we're there's not a huge gap between us and fourth or fifth you know so yeah. we have to just kind of keep chugging along and see what happens I noticed that some of the the journalists have been putting the question to Arsene Wenger you know you're slowly catching up you know do you think you could be title challengers and he's obviously very cleverly saying look come on just you know we're just gonna go game by game etc etc as we should I don't think it's realistic at all to be perfectly honest no no. Which is a shame because it'd be hilarious to see. It would be it. hilarious. And of course, I'd love to be proved wrong, but um, no. Not going to happen. It all comes back to that start, rather, unfortunately, which Arsene referenced himself. You know, I think we won like two of our first eight league games or something like that. Yeah, a lot of draws. A lot of draws in there. And unfortunately, against not great sides as well, team like Hull, Leicester, Tottenham. Tottenham, Tottenham were a big one, you know. They took a lot of points of us this season. So, mm. um, as long as we lose, I don't want it to. I don't want to have lost the league by a margin that Spurs can claim they were the difference. <laughs> that would drive me insane. Yeah, yeah, not good. Okay, well, let's move on then, because that's a okay. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's a horrible thought. Isn't yeah, it? it's gross. Um, okay, this one is from Josh Kane, and he asks for Monaco. Would you have the same team as Saturday? If not. What changes would you make? Uh, no, I wouldn't have the same team You've as You've already Saturday. dropped Theo, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no way is Theo starting. This is this is the team I think he'll pick. Okay. Ospina, Bellerin, Mertesacker, Cassiani, Monreal. 
mm-hmm. Coquelin and Ramsey, Cazorla, mm-hmm. Alexis, Giroud and Ozil. That's what I think he'll pick. And that's what I think he should pick. Um, so, yeah, there would, there would definitely be changes. I think then if you get to a point where in the second half you really need goals, then at least you've got Walcott on the bench, you've got Welbeck on the bench who can come on and we can, you know, flood them, play with six strikers practically, because at that point, what difference will it make? Yeah, I think the only possible changes to that, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't leave Monreal out, but I think there's a chance that he'll put Kieran Gibbs in just because he's fresher. But Monreal's been excellent the last couple of games, so that would be a big surprise. Mm. And the only other one is just, as good as I thought Ramsey was, I'd still think there's a possibility that he'll play Cazorla in that deeper central midfield role just because it had it had worked at United and because he needs to find a way to squeeze attackers in. Yeah. Um, so what, play Welbeck ahead of yeah, Ramsey? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm. But I, I think I, if I had to put money on it, I'd go with the same 11 as you. Yeah. I'm just, you know, throwing out the alternatives. I, I think... Ram- the thing about Ramsey is, although he gives you a more physical midfield, he does offer you a goal threat as well. Yeah. And he does get up into the box. So I think it probably makes sense to go with him. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Santi in a more advanced role because we actually haven't seen that for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, think, I think he's obviously comfortable there. So we shall see. Well, how are you feeling about it? Um, I'm wavering between huge optimism and just like ah oh, fuck it who knows it could happen it could happen and then the realisation that Monaco haven't conceded more than one goal in their last uh, 12 home games they've never conceded more than, than one goal and defensively they're a very solid outfit they're going to make it very difficult for us um, but you know it's not a ridiculous scoreline so there's you know there's part of you that says well we just won 3-0 and we, you know anything could happen um, you know we could get an early goal they could have a penalty or we could get a penalty in a red card you know for example we could be playing against 10 men you know the variables are, are such that you can't rule it out but then there's the other part of you that goes you know kind of setting ourselves up for a bit of a fall here when it doesn't happen or if it doesn't happen so I, I'm not expecting us to, to go through I think we might win the game but I don't necessarily think that we're going to do what we need to to qualify and you know in a way there's this part of me is as much as I want us to go through I, I do wonder if it might be a distraction why do you think we'd be going through just to go out sort of thing or well possibly I, I I don't know I guess you never know you never know but maybe you know it'd stretch the squad a little bit over the course of the uh, the final months of the season that if we pick up injuries or we might not be able to cope and that might affect the league form and etc I, I don't know I don't know I don't see it happening do you no it's definitely possible um, I'd say it's more likely than us winning the league oh know, yeah that, that we would go through tomorrow night yeah um, so I, you know I haven't ruled it out entirely but I am sort of going into the game with kind of it feels like a one where I haven't really got any expectations. You know, yeah. If we go out, well, that's because of what happened in the first leg, and, and we all know that. Mm. I think it will be entertaining watching us have a crack at it, though. Yeah. Especially with the confidence that we're playing with. You know, I think that we can... Um, I definitely think we can score out there. I mean, as good as Monaco were in the first leg, you've got to remember how many chances we missed. 
you know we can create chances against them it's just it's just it needs it needs a fairly special set of circumstances you know mm. i mean you think back to you think back to that milan game you know where we we came back in the second leg but that was at home you know and we, and even then we didn't do enough to get the job done <laughs> so it would be a fairly remarkable thing to turn it around away from home yeah yeah um, i i don't think it will happen now i think monaco monaco just don't need to take any risks do you know what i mean like they just need to keep it very very safe there's no incentive for them to take a risk yeah i mean if they're well organized enough and they seem to be a very well organized side and the 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 coach seems to be um very capable the, it's going to be really, really difficult for us to, to break them down. I mean, we're going to have to be brilliant and overwhelm them um, in order to break them down. And I think we have to look at the other side of it as well, is that we've really got to go for it. And they did show in the first game that they're capable of of um, hitting us on the break and being effective on the break. They can score goals. So we've got to try and... Uh, remember that we've got to defend as well as try and score goals. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's going to make it very difficult. I, I think, think um, I said a couple of weeks ago, but I think had he been fit, I think Gabriel might have played in this game uh, just because of the way Mertzaka was exposed on the break in the first leg. He did but, say, I don't know, we haven't got team news yet, but he did say that he should be back in training yeah, uh, but, either <sighs> yesterday or today. Is it too too risky to bring him in? I think it probably is. After like a couple of days training, I can't see him coming straight back into the side. And look, Mertzak has been playing well. I just thought it might have been a, a strategic option for Arsene. But look, we'll see. I mean, as I say, it should make for an entertaining spectacle, us having a crack at it. And if it comes off, so much the better. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm oh. not too optimistic. <laughs> no. No, I think that's, I think that's reasonable. Um, all right. Is it my turn for a question? It is a thing, yeah. Um, there's one here that I've been meaning to touch on for the last couple of weeks, and it's, it comes from Alexi Otenen, uh, I think. And uh, he's talking about Space Jam. You know the movie? I Space absolutely Jam. love the movie Space Jam. Yeah. And, and he's, he says, Space Jam-esque player skill stealing. That's very difficult to say. Uh, from who would you steal the skills and, and who would you give them to? I don't quite know who or how many skills or players are involved here, but I just liked the idea of the question. Yes. Do we need to explain it to any listeners that well, haven't yeah, seen Yeah, you Space go ahead. Jam? You go ahead. Well, as far as I recall, what happens in Space Jam is that some small aliens use a magic basketball to steal powers from NBA players yeah. and bestow them upon themselves, thus becoming the Monstars. It's, it's an extraordinary film. Mm -hmm. It's up there with Citizen Kane for me, and I heartily recommend it. But... So I can take skills from any player in the world, would you say? Yeah, and give them to another player. So let's say three Arsenal players that you can bestow skills on from other players. So, yeah, that would... Okay, all right. Um, oh, dear. Right, that's interesting. So my first thought, having just spoken about it, would be, partly because I've always wanted to see it, is I'd like to make Mertzaka quick. Yeah. So you know, I take I take the sprinting skill of who's 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 super quick that doesn't play for us. Um, Ronaldo, he's quick enough, isn't he's he? He's pretty do. quick, isn't he? Yeah, right, we'll have him. So I'll I'll 
take his magic speed and put it on Mertesacker because I do think that in other respects he's a fantastic defender positionally and yeah. you know he's a good leader and also it would just be great to see him like a six foot six guy running at that speed it'd mm-hmm. be like something out of Jurassic Park yeah so I'd have him I would who else have we got that I'd like to improve oh I'd take the height of Peter Crouch and bestow it on Espina just to give him a bit more presence at set pieces. <laughs> uh, so I'd have that. And then I would, to be honest with you, shooting ability. Whose shooting ability do I like? The cool finishing. Mm. I basically, I want, to, I, want, I want someone who can let Mazza Ozil feel it's okay to score a goal. You know? Maybe Zlatan. He's a good finisher. He's a good finisher and he's got the confidence. Mm. So I'll take Zlatan's, you know, self-possession in front of goal and uh, give that to Ozil because I think we'd have a more a more complete player right. at that point. Um, so there we go. That would be my sort of space jam equation. Pretty good. Pretty good. I could see how that, that would happen. Um, what would I do? Let me think about this. I would, I would bestow Messi's dribbling skills on Wojciech Szczesny. <laughs> yeah. Because it would just be the most hilarious goalkeeping of all time when he dribbles the length of the pitch and scores. And you get he'd get easily ten goals a season if he could dribble like Messi. Well also it would it would do away with some of those heart stopping moments where he goes for the drag back, you know, inside his own penalty area. You'd be more confident in him. Yeah. I mean he could just juggle it, you know. Yeah. That would be that would be good. Um who else? I'm trying to think who who's on the team that we could that we could improve. Um, hmm. I can't think of any other players in the world. That's my problem. It's not necessarily our players. I just can't think of any other footballers. I'm sure there are some. There are loads J- of them. Jason Wilcox, Stuart Ripley. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Gary Flitcroft. <laughs> uh, they, these are all footballers, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. David Unsworth. Uh, yeah, that would be good. Actually, there's one. I could I could bestow the dual ability of Dion Dublin and Paul Warhurst and those other guys who could play centre half and centre forward yeah. on Koscielny. So that, that would be, be cool. that would be good as well. I've always loved players who play centre half and centre forward. There's something really sort of old school and enjoyable about it. I yeah, think it's brilliant. Bolton yeah. recently tried it by deploying Emil Heskey as a centre-back, but from what I understand, it was not a successful experiment. You're kidding me. No, they really? genuinely did. Oh, He's on a wow. short-term deal, and they started a game with Heskey at centre-half. Yeah. It, it didn't go well. Wow. That Yeah, that's that's some interesting decision-making right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let me think of the final one then. Um, I'd like to improve Mikel Arteta in some way. Go on. But I'm not quite sure how. I mean, you could make him quicker. We've already done the speed thing, haven't we, with Mertesacker. Um, maybe I would bestow the the gut of Mickey Quinn on <laughs> Mikel Arteta. May so, I ask why? Well, <laughs> just so he would be a bit stronger in in that midfield area. Like, he would still be, wouldn't be any slower... Um, you know his ability on the ball wouldn't be uh, impinged in any way. He would just be a lot fatter. 
and that would make it more difficult for people to get past him in midfield. It makes sense. It would be difficult to sort of circumnavigate him. Yeah, exactly. You've got to take the long way around, and by the time they've done that, somebody else has come in, Coquelin's come in then and nicked the ball off them. Lovely. Yeah. So there we go. I forget about Mikel Arteta, to be honest. He's been gone for so long. He has. He has. Um, yeah. Is he back in, is he back in training soon? I believe sort of- so, yeah. He's, he's making his first steps back into training after the, uh, the ankle surgery. And there's, uh, you know, talk of a, a new deal for him and um, what have you. But we'll we'll see how it goes. Okay. Got one more, do you? Uh, I have one brief one, I think. It's from uh, Bish Ash, Ashley Bishop, his real name. And he says, how concerned are you that Giroud is using the Gareth Bale heart celebration? Well, I'm very concerned for him because Gareth Bale has trademarked that and he could take legal action against Olivier Giroud and possibly have all his goals stricken from the record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not to, not to mention he might bankrupt him. And I don't think that Olivier Giroud, there's talk of him today, you know, being very strong mentally, I don't think he would cope well with being bankrupted. You know, I think his life would go off the rails a bit. You know, he'd have to scavenge through bins to eat, to feed his family. I think that would depress him. He could probably turn to drugs or alcohol. I mean, he'd and, up- and he would become a menace to society because he'd have to feed those habits through a life of petty crime, which would then turn to to bigger crime. And he'd, ultimately, he'd, ultimately, I think it would it would lead to his absolute destruction. So yes, I'm extremely concerned about this. I mean, it sounds like he'd end up looking very much like I did on Saturday afternoon at the Emirates Stadium. Yes, certainly, certainly. Not quite that bad because, you know, look at him. Of course, let's keep things in perspective and look at him. Yeah, I mean, even even as a filthy tramp, he would be, (laughs) he'd be be something to behold. He would not struggle for for employment. Mm. I mean, the the thing about it is, is that, you know, Gareth Bale is not the only person who who has a heart. I mean, we all do. He's one of the few at Real Madrid, I imagine. Yeah, Ronaldo certainly does, and he's just got a mechanical thing, so he feels no emotion other than frustration and anger and impotent rage at, at other people. Mm. So, yeah, that, I, that, that will be my feeling. Does it bother you one way or the other? Like you, I'm only concerned with the legal repercussions. Mm. I sincerely hope someone on the staff at Arsenal just has a quiet word with Giroud to protect him mm. from that fate. I have one final question, and um, it's not really relevant to anything, but I think it's one of the most bizarre questions I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, I was, um, you know, flicking through my phone this morning, having a look at this, and then I came across this one. It was very strange. And it comes from Sam Torcaso at Sammy Tacos. And he says, would you rather mistake babies for cupcakes (laughs) or change teams each time you sneezed? Change teams doesn't change which team I support. I don't know. Maybe um, maybe you could be playing a game of football and you could sneeze and you change onto a completely different team, playing somewhere else entirely. I don't know. Or whether it means you change the team you support or or maybe it means you would, you would um, um, change your sexual preference. So each oh, time maybe. you sneezed, your sexual preference, you know, there's a... That, I don't, summer, I don't summer would be a nightmare. I'd get hay fever. Yeah. <laughs> Personal life would be all over the place. I am. Um, I uh, and mistaking babies for cupcakes. I mean, what would be the consequences there? That I would be trying to rear a cupcake and eat a baby. I, I don't know. I mean, I think if you if you knew that you mistaked or mistook 
yes, babies indeed. for cupcakes, then it would be quite an easy thing to deal with, wouldn't it? Because you would go to uh, a hospital. For example, you go to the the ward where, what do they call those wards where babies are born? Maternity. Maternity wards, exactly. And you would be going, look at those, look at those little cribs full of cupcakes. I know they're not actually cupcakes, they're babies. You, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, congratulations on the birth of your cupcake. So you would be, you would be able to cope because, um, do you then, do you then mistake babies for cupcakes? Or cupcakes, cupcakes for babies. Like, do you go to the shop and there's in the uh, in the bakery section just rows and rows of babies with decorative icing on them? I don't know. I prefer cupcakes to babies. I would say, on balance, certainly from an eating point of view. Yes, certainly from an eating point of view. Um, I I mean, this is a weird question, Andrew. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the the team changing scenario if I have to, because I'm deeply concerned at the, the high chance of me eating, eating a, baby. a baby. Yeah. But what if the baby's delicious? <sighs> and you're denying... I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Obviously, I've never eaten a baby. Well, I mean, do you know something I don't? I mean, I haven't, but you seem to be implying. No, no, they're... no, not at all. Not at all. I'm a, no, no. Maybe we're straying into dangerous territory here, but I would I would go for the babies for cupcakes thing simply because I wouldn't like I don't like change, and I certainly wouldn't like change every time I sneezed. Do you sneeze a lot? I'm sneezing a lot at the moment. I think I need to dust. Yeah, no, I don't sneeze a lot, but when I do sneeze, it's quite loud. And um, if the effect of every time I sneeze was for me to either support another team, change the team I'm playing in, change my sexual preference, whatever that is, every single time you sneezed, it would be it would become very difficult to live with. I think I'd end up with Jiru on the on the drugs and alcohol thing. Maybe. I mean, I just don't think I could live with myself after eating all those babies, however delicious or cupcake-like they mm. may be. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that question, Sam. Um, we've uh, we've answered it to the best of our ability, um, I, and I hope everyone knows that neither of us would would ever eat a baby on purpose. On purpose. No, no, no. Definitely not. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll have an Arscast for you on Friday um, when we look ahead to the game against whoever the fuck it is we're playing at the weekend. That I can't Newcastle, remember. I think. Newcastle. All right. Um, and then, of course, we'll have an Arscast extra next Monday. So until then, take it easy. Bye-bye. holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.